The movie business is a lottery. Quality alone is no guarantee a film will get the green light. Hence Hollywood's famous blacklist, drawing movie producers' attention to the many amazing screenplays that were slipping through the net. And it works. Since the annual release of Blacklists began in 2005, more than 400 scripts got picked up, including Oscar winners like Jojo Rabbit, Slumdog Millionaire and The King's Speech. It'll be like mad King George the Stammer. Get up! You can't sit there! Get up! Why not? It's a chair. That is, that is St. Edward's chair. People have that, carved their names Listen on to me! Chair. Listen to me! Why should I waste my time listening to you? Because I have a voice! Yes, you do. Well, now Blacklist members are being matched up with Kiwi screenwriters to improve the chances of their scripts being picked up. Out of almost 180 scripts, six were selected by the New Zealand Film Commission for the Blacklist New Zealand project. The script writers will work with mentors, take part in a professional development workshop and receive up to $25,000 each to finish their next drafts. Tarotoa Stappard's Marama is a horror story about a young Māori woman who gets a trip to Yorkshire where she discovers a dreadful secret. Filmmaker and academic Shushi Kotari's script, Navrati, uh, or aka Nine Nights, takes place during an Indian dance festival. Shushi says she almost didn't enter her script for consideration after reading up about the project. For me, what leapt out um, was that this was an initiative that was really looking beyond borders, and uh, I didn't get the sense that it was restricted to a certain kind of story or a certain kind of genre or its marketability or just in the way that it was positioned, it felt that it was looking for how these stories could be global. And despite the fact that they did everything to position that accurately, I was still anxious that it wasn't going to be that way, that somehow the stories that would be the one that get picked were very strongly set in New Zealand. So I thought I wouldn't apply because my story is not set here. And I applied on the last day. The script I'd written, I mean, I had everything, I had the material ready, but I I really didn't think that it was truly going to be this um, search for scripts that were, could be here, could be anywhere. And that to me was the biggest surprise. So I'm pleased as punch for that. Taratua, for your uh, script for Marama, was this a good time for you? I think you've been working on it for a little while. It's been with you. It's clearly a very personal story. But was, did this simply come at the right time for you to come to the next level with the, with the draft and with the script? Definitely. Marama is, is a Maori revenge horror set in Victorian England, so in 1869. And um, uh, 85% of it, therefore, is set in England, uh, about 15% in Aotearoa. So I also shared a slight concern that, oh, here I have this project that's set in England when applying for the early development funding from the New Zealand Film Commission. But, but I just thought it's so specific. It's about uh, a wahine Māori and her journey to Victorian England uh, where she did, yeah, uncovers the, the horrific truth of her own colonial heritage, her own whakapapa, and what that means to her. And I just thought, ah, let's put it in. But you're right, It's it's been about two years in the development, I guess. Um, I've had a really lucky and blessed uh, project history kind of journey with it from support from the Edinburgh Film Festival, uh, from the BFI in London, um, from an organisation called Imaginative in Canada. Um, that was a fantastic year-long programme that I was part of with Marama. And then most recently, um, I was very 
pleased to be able to participate on the uh, 2021 Writers Studio, which is funded by um, the Toronto International Film Festival. So through that process, I've come to what I consider a really good first draft, but I've got a whole lot of notes about <laughs> how to move forward. And I'm really hoping that, you know, with the further support and guidance of the Blacklist New Zealand project, I can push forward into a good second draft that I'm not saying it's going to be ready to take to market, but that will be really, you know, will be close, will be good. My aim is to shoot the film next year, so that's where I'm at. Should you for your script? I mean, there's, there's a, a lot of poignancy here, given that it's set in India and given all the tragedy that's happening there at the moment, the, the turmoil and the heartbreak. But what can you what can you tell us about the story that you will tell and be able to tell there and film there? I'm sure one day. Mm. Thank you, Lynn, for that optimism. Um, I really <laughs> do hope that you know when when this um, is behind us, whatever shape or form we all imagine, there'll still be a need and desire to celebrate that humanity, that celebrate that intimacy. And I, this project, Navratri, which is um, Nine Nights, is really looking at ideas of intimacy, sex and romance in urban India. I would have traveled to India last year during my sabbatical to finish my first draft. And I couldn't travel because of COVID. And strangely, when we could not be intimate, when we were not allowed to hug and touch or kiss, so is when I turned my attention to intimacy and said, I want to write this here in New Zealand, even though I can't travel. And um, I really have to appreciate New Zealand Film Commission's support that they, I got a chance to be mentored by a writer in India who I really respect. And I spent the three months last year finishing the first draft. I mean, the research I had done prior, so I was kind of ready to write it. But even then, as I was writing, somehow in 2020, April, it seemed this was all going to be okay in a year. And maybe that was my naivety. Maybe I needed that to be able to write. And I know that it's not going to be, you know, over any time very soon. But somehow I do feel that when it is, this this is the kind of film we will need. Something uplifting, something poignant, something that celebrates our need for human touch. Your vision for this, Shuchi, would it be to film it in India? I mean, just reading about this carnivalesque, you know, festival nights. I mean, it's just such a huge um, thing in, in India. I can't imagine you filming this, I don't know, against a green screen somewhere. Or, or, and I know there have been some, some Bollywood films screened here in New Zealand, but to me this, this is the essence, the life force of India. Yes, and I absolutely have to say, honestly, I, for this script, I can take a couple of characters out of this, rewrite them in some other context, uh, because the, the festival is celebrated in the diaspora, including a very vibrant uh, celebration that happens here in Auckland. But the way I've written it, the way I've imagined it, it is that scale of celebration that happens in India, which absolutely you're right it's it's not a question of green screen or cgi you know any of that uh, hopefully time will come when we will um, be able to be there and maybe this becomes a very interesting new zealand india co-production because i know with my work with the pan asian screen collective there's so many south asian diasporic filmmakers here now who want to work in both industries and i see a project like this as some kind of a um, good avenue to enable that as well. Taratoa, what was the kernel of the idea for for Marama? I mean, are you are you a lover of this genre? Not at all. No, I haven't ever directed horror, but it seemed like an interesting way in, you know, like a very pro- popular genre to explore 
themes of identity, of belonging, of migration, of cultural appropriation, or call it theft, and repatriation. Those are some of the sort of themes that run through Marama. And also the film that I'm here in, in Aotearoa at the moment um, to prepare and shoot in two weeks' time, which is a half-hour story called Tomanu um, that I've been commissioned to direct for TVNZ um, for an anthology of six supernatural stories. They both share those themes and they both come from my rediscovery of or discovery of the stories of my mother's side, her Māori and whakapapa and, and my incredible tūpuna. They're definitely the wahini tour of, of my mother's side have really been an inspiration for both of these projects. Having looked at the synopsis, Marama certainly is a young woman with, I mean, you throw an awful lot at her, <laughs> you know, as horror writers do. Yeah. Um, but she she has an inner strength. She's only 24, I think, in the film, and an orphan. Yes. Um, in this appalling situation, far from home and, uh, and uh, people meaning her ill. But she clearly has a great deal of, of strength in the face of violence, in the face of racism, in the face of everything that she's going to have to go through. I hope so. You know, I, I wanted to create this character who finds it within herself, manages to touch and connect or reconnect and tap into the the wairua of her tupuna, but to place that in a period that I hadn't really seen that sort of story being told before. I mean, I haven't seen many stories told through the point of view of a strong wahina Māori, and definitely not in a period piece that take place outside of Aotearoa. Shuchi, reading your synopsis, I'm getting a relatively large cast of characters. Give us a feeling for the, the, the characters who will populate these nine nights of song and dance. I'm just drawn to creating a world where there's multiple characters. This one in particular, there's a lot of young people, and I say young people because they're so much younger than I am in the in the film and I'd worked very closely with that um, age group in India when I was doing the research to um, you know interview them across class and across gender across sexuality just in terms of what their experience is um, dancing Um, I also have a degree in classical dance which is kind of embarrassing because I don't dance anymore but I knew I wanted to explore dance and song which is so critical to India across these characters to tell a story of what it is to be in love and what it is to be in lust or, you know, all those shades in between. Um, The young woman that stands out, Ash, who's just been through an abortion through a Tinder date gone bad and has not been able to cope with it very well. And she's busy fixing everybody else's, you know, life while she's her own is kind of unraveling. But she's, I can't say she's the central protagonist, but she's a key character through which all other characters are joined. So there is a central node um, in the story. But then there's a NRI, you know, non-resident Indian who's returned from New Jersey, 67 years old, and he's looking for love again. And then there is a young woman who works as a housekeeper who wants to have a baby but doesn't have any money to even consider IVF. And then there is, you know, another character for a young woman who... Um, has a boyfriend about to get engaged, but she knows that she's attracted to women, but doesn't know how to even tell herself that story. So it's it's, it's different characters, but every night they're all out dancing in whatever different neighborhood. And every night ends with one big song and dance.
sequence. So I've, I've structured it musically across nine nights. Shichi, I've spoken to you before wearing your hat of being involved with the Pan-Asian Screen Collective, you know, advocating for equal representation um, of Asian screen practitioners here. I wondered if the selections made with the Blacklist New Zealand project and actually off the back of the Oscars too, you, you know, historic Oscar um, selections, do you feel that the tide is turning for diversity? I so believe it is turning, but I also so believe that we should never get complacent about turning tides, you know, because they then turn again. So how do we keep this tide in a way that we don't have just that moment of, oh, yeah, that year in which or that, you know, few uh, months in which? things were different. But I have to say, you know, I think it, through this selection of the blacklist, I when I look at projects that are about people, be they Mari or Yamin's project about, you know, Hong Kong um, Chinese um, project or mine, which is all set in India. Um, I think we are signaling that New Zealand is not just about a narrowly defined idea of what New Zealandness is. And I think that to me, Lynn, is a big shift. And I really have to compliment Annabelle Sheehan, you know, the CEO of NZFC, who, when she came here from Australia to take on this role, had said that she wanted to globalize New Zealand by recognizing its own diversity, that, you know, we need to think of ourselves. Uh, or allow ourselves to think of ourselves differently. So in that sense, I am truly pleased. And also, you know, from an Asian perspective, I, I just feel so happy that two out of the six projects were picked that tell New Zealand Asian stories or, or stories by New Zealand, you know, Asian New Zealanders. Tara, at all from your perspective, as you say, you've been working very hard on the script. And I just wonder what you're hoping for from an American Hollywood mentor when your story is so Māori and set in, in North Yorkshire. You know what I mean? That's a very different kind of film, perhaps, to the usual kind of Hollywood fare. So what are you hoping for from this close mentorship? You're right, but I think The Blacklist is just super well-respected in the industry. And yes, it's Hollywood, but it's intelligent Hollywood and it's... It, for me, it will be really interesting to hear or to get feedback, I guess blunt and direct feedback on whether Hollywood feels a film like this has a place. You know, will, will it actually find an audience? And I hope to create a script that, although it's very specific and I absolutely aim for it to be very authentic, you know, I want it to be universal in its drama and in its themes, even though it's about something very, very specific, uh, a young Maori woman coming all the way from New Zealand in 1869 to North Yorkshire, as you say. But I hope it will chime. And I think there's an appetite for um, a growing global appetite for indigenous specificity in storytelling. You know, check out Netflix. There's loads of films from all around the world that people are tuning into and subtitles are not the barrier to entry that they seem to have used to have been. People are getting used to watching a whole series in Spanish or a whole series in German because it's good drama. Yeah, so that's, that's my hope for Marama. And, and in terms of what I'm hoping to get from, from Blacklist is just I just want to suck up the expertise, that uh, the kind of mentors that we've been told we might be able to work with. You know, they're fantastic. They're top of their game. So I can't wait. Your hope, obviously, would be with this that this will improve your chances of getting marama 
made at the end of this. I mean, the $25,000, I hadn't mentioned that. Obviously, that's going to be um, helpful also. But I get a sense that it is the mentorship. It's the connections. It's the networking. It's the advice. It's these professional development workshops that are perhaps the most valuable thing for both of you in terms of, of it's hard to get a film up. It's really hard to get a film yeah. up anywhere yeah. in, the, in, the, in the world. But New Zealand is, is tough because of our size and our, and our budgets. But, I mean, are you feeling that this, you're feeling more heartened that your film has a chance to be made now? Definitely. You know, the New Zealand Film Commission has a super high reputation, in, as far as I can tell, in, certainly in the UK and when the UK was still part of it, within the EU, within Europe. When I go to festivals, New Zealand films are always intriguing for people to go and look at, and there's always a bit of buzz about them. And, and I guess that's down to the, the promotional work that New Zealand Film Commission puts in day in, day out um, for any films to push them out into the world. You know, you hear people talking about, oh, New Zealand films, they punch above their weight, which is a kind of a backhanded compliment because it's not that they're punching above their weight, it's that they are really interesting and unique and they're being promoted and distributed by, I think, a very progressive organisation in the form of the New Zealand Film Commission. But in itself, for, the, for NZFC to, to partner with someone like The Blacklist is, just seems like so smart to me um, and, and so intriguing and I'm just super happy to, be, to have been selected with Marama for the programme. Tara Toa Stappard and Shuchi Kotari, who will be developing the next drafts of their film scripts as part of the Blacklist New Zealand project.